and uh, I'm going to see a victory song. I was thinking maybe Tennessee should sing that. Um, so uh, I was like, then I had to get back focused on Jesus. Um, and that was bad yesterday, wasn't it? Like, oh, for real. So if you're listening from UT, I'm sorry, but. Um, so we've been, this is the last week that we're in this series that we've called Turn Down for What? I hope you enjoyed it as we talked about how we're going to, how to share, how, how, why and how we should share our faith. And today we're going to, um, we're going to talk about kind of both of those things in once. But, you know, we, we're, we're in this series that's called Turn Down for What? And it's, it's about getting off the bench. It's about, it's about, you know, um, getting off of defense, the defensive side of the ball, like, and have real impact where we live, work, and play. And, but for most of us, we're already living in defeat. We're already living in defeat. Like, we, we, we already feel like we're defeated because of the enemy who, who's, who reminds us of our past or who says that we're not good enough or, or tells us no one's going to listen to your story. No one cares about your story. When your story is exactly what people want to hear. We have this enemy who says we're not good enough. An enemy that reminds us of our past, convinces us no one will listen. He tells us that we should turn down the volume of our story, turn down our, that we should, we should shut up about what we believe. And, and we're just going to look at him and say, you want me to turn down for what? That's, that's, no, that's the exact reason why I should turn up everything. In fact, I know something about you, enemy. I know something about you, Satan. We've said this at the beginning of every, every sermon in this series. And it's found in, in, it's found in Revelations where it says, They conquered him, or you're conquered Satan, by the blood of Jesus, blood of the Lamb, and by the word of my testimony. It's your story that defeats Satan. When the, when the blood of the Lamb changes you when, when you, when you become a believer, your testimony, along with the blood and the power of, of Jesus, changes the world. It's your story that has the greatest impact in the world. Not me up here preaching, not, you know, some musician out here known in the world that's praising Jesus, not even Drew Brees, even though this week what he said was awesome, challenging students to take their Bibles to, school, to schools and read them and practice. Like, all that's great, but nothing, nothing has more impact than your story. And what we said was is that we're going to, we're going to find common ground with people. We're going to find what we have in common. Even if those people are so much different, we have something in common. Even if it's the lowest basic of humanity, we have something in common with someone that we can begin to approach them. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to share our origin stories. You know, before Christ, I was an addict. Before Christ, I was, I was hopeless. Before Christ, I was this. Before Christ, my wedding, my, my marriage was horrible. Before Christ, this, whatever your before Christ is. But now that I've found Christ, I'm clean. I'm whole. I have a hope for the future. We have an origin story. And, we're going to, and what we said last week is that we're going to be bold and take some big risks because we serve a big God. We're going to take big risks and we're going to serve a, serve a big God because in the end, we'll, we won't fail. And today, because of all this, what we're going to look at is how to, it's the title of my sermon, okay? And it's, the, and it's this, is that today we're going to live expecting something supernatural. Expecting something supernatural. And I don't mean like some crazy, like, you know, sci-fi stuff. I'm talking about a move of the Holy Spirit. 
And sometimes that can look crazy or radical or whatever the case may be. But you've got to know that from the beginning, God has always used ordinary men and women to do, to do an extraordinary mission. Ordinary men and women like me and you to do an extraordinary mission, and that is to share the gospel of Jesus. We talked a little bit about it over the last couple of weeks, how most of these people, most of these people, that, most of the disciples that we read about in, in, the, in the Bible, these apostles were just common people. They're just common people. They're, 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 they're fishermen. They were, they were learning their father's trade. They were learning their father's trade. You know, they, they, that means they weren't educated. They, weren't, they, were, they, were kind, they were kind of just normal people. God used ordinary men and women to, to do the extraordinary, extraordinary mission. And it is done through the leading of the Holy Spirit. We have to, and we have to trust the supernatural leading of the. We have to trust the supernatural leading of the Holy Spirit, it, even to the point to where sometimes it seems a little crazy to us. Because what we see in the apostles, in the New Testament, is they lived expecting something supernatural to happen. They lived for it. They breathed it. Look, look through all throughout the New Testament. You'll see these supernatural events because they were expected. And that's why our, our friend Paul would write to the, to the church of Galatia. He would write this. He says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What if the Holy Spirit asks you to do something crazy in reaching your friends and your coworkers and your family? Would you do it? But all through the New Testament are stories of people being led by supernatural means. Because since we're going to live by the Spirit, here's the one thing you need to know if you're taking notes is this. True disciple makers live expecting the supernatural. True disciple makers live expecting the supernatural. So let me show you. Can I show you what this kind of looks like? This, there's a story that we're going to look at today that, that is a great example of something supernatural happen, happening. That so, it was so supernatural that only God could get the credit for it. So at this, leading up to this story that we're going to look at today, one of the many stories in the New Testament of this supernatural, supernatural happenings, um, you know, they've received the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, and they're performing miracles. And I remember I said last week there's even instances in Acts where the, the shadows of the apostles would fall on people's, people who were sick, and they would be healed. That's supernatural. They're preaching the message of the kingdom um, e- even while being scattered. And here's the thing about being scattered. Like people think, oh man, they went through persecution. I think it was God ordained that this happened, that persecu- persecution happened. Because isn't it easy sometimes for us to stay in our bubble? Because people in, in, this, in this time period, they wouldn't travel most of the time more than 20 to 40 miles out away from their homes at a time. And so this persecution caused the, caused the Christian church, the believers at the time, to, to scatter out across the world. And in that, and in doing that, carried the message to the end of the world. And it's because of this scattering that we have the story that, we ha- that we're going to look at today. And so if you, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts, Acts 8. If not, it's going to be on the screen behind me. And just kind of read along here with me. Okay, it says this, and starting in verse 26, it says, As for Philip... An angel of the Lord said to him, now wait a minute, who said what to him? 
An angel, you mean an angel talked with Philip. That's pretty supernatural, right? An angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down, des- down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. From Jerusalem to Gaza. And here's the thing, that you have, it, along with Philip and along with us, is that when we're, when we're following the Holy Spirit, we will be given direction by supernatural means. We will be given directions by supernatural means. And you're like, Derek, you're talking crazy talk. I get it. But in Scripture, God often speaks to ordinary people through supernatural means. Maybe it's through dreams or visions or sometimes even a donkey. That's in the Old Testament. When I was, grew up, the church I grew up in, they just read out the King James Version. And so when, you'd get, when we'd get to that verse that had that three-letter word as in place of donkey, I always wanted to be the guy who read that verse because... You get to say it and in, in church. Okay. I thought about, there for a while, I thought about doing a series, um, a series called You Are Thinking It. You know, if, you know when somebody, um, when somebody says something and, they, and you're like, well, I can't believe they said that. And it's like, oh, you were thinking it. I thought about doing a series on that and talking about how God even speaks through a, you know, get it. Okay. Moving on. I thought I'd get some laughs out of that, Justin. I'm with you today. Okay. Um, but see, oftentimes God will speak to us through dreams, right? Like, he, he, like we have this dream and we're like, man, that, that dream, you know, we may wake up and smack our husband. I don't know. That happened apparently last night. Or like with Brittany, with, with, with Brittany like she woke, woke me up one time mad at me. I mean, she was so mad at me because I, apparently I was cheating on her in her dream. I'm like, I can't help what Derek does in your dream. That's your dream. Take care of it. But we, we oftentimes we, we have these dreams or these we get these visions in our, in our dreams or or maybe like the, there's a thought comes in our mind like and maybe we should pay a little bit more attention to those because maybe that is a supernatural how God supernaturally is interjecting Himself in our lives to give us hope and a vision for what, what our future holds. Like what what would it hurt to take that step out to see if it, see see if it's from God. What if, what if we wake up in the, one morning and we just had this dream of, like, I'm, I've dreamed of Shift Church. Before we ever started Shift Church, I dreamed of it. God gave me a vision for it. Like, I'm challenging you guys to lean into those dreams. It might just be the Holy Spirit giving you a path to take for the future. Verse 8, 27, chapter 8. Verse 27 says, so he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia. Dude had some money on him. A eunuch of great authority under the the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book, the prophet Isaiah. And here's what you have to think about. Like, I just want you to think about this for just for a minute because I know a lot of us are like when we when it comes to sharing our story we we think of like what if I'm not ready to share my story like what if what if like what if that person don't accept what I have to say like what if they turn me down what what if I don't know how to answer their questions and I'm gonna tell you it's okay because you just share your story but what what if what if I feel led to do something 
but I don't feel like I'm ready. And here's what you need to know. Just like with what, how it worked out here with Philip. Because it says that he will, this, this eunuch was coming back from worshiping in Jerusalem. He was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And here's what we, we find out. Well, what we see in this is, is, is this. God has already gone before you. God has already gone before you. You may be nervous to speak to someone, but, but you've you got to know that if, if you're being led to share your story to someone, that God's already doing something. God's already working in this person's life. In fact, if you want to write this down, you can. The Holy Spirit is already doing something in that person's life. They're already working, and you're just the vehicle that God's using to, to push that seed even further. This eunuch was already seeking answers. Like, who, would you, who do you know that just sits down and reads through Isaiah? Who do you know that just sits... Like, like he was, this eunuch was searching for answers. The people around you are looking for answers. People we live, work, and play with are already seeking spiritual answers that you and I have. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. People we live, work, and play with are already seeking spiritual answers. They may not realize it, but they're seeking answers to what's going on in their life. Answers that you have. All this, these, like, I'm going to be honest with you, and if somebody that's on this page listens, I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Like, I'm part of the Knox, South Knoxville Speaks Out page. Like, I'm on that page, and they post stuff on there all the time about all the bad stuff that's happening, happening in South Knoxville. Everything that's happening. And the, the exact people that, that are, are, they're posting about are just seeking answers that we have. Why do you think people run to drugs? Why do you think people run and have affairs? Why, why, do you think, why do you think all this stuff is happening? They're looking for answers to, what, what, to their, their problems they have in life, their pain they have in life, and the only thing they know is what they've been taught, and that's this lifestyle. Why don't we as a church, instead of just posting stuff on, a, on social media about how bad our community is, why don't we step up and take an active role in fixing it? I'm tired of all these pages, all these people talking about how bad this place is, how bad that place is. Well, then step in and do something about it. Fix it. For years, I heard about how bad the school I work at was. But have you ever stepped foot in there and heard the stories? About how these kids are in pain because no one is out there helping them? Are you serious? They're looking for answers, much like this eunuch was, looking for answers to life and what, how to live life. Like I had a kid one time say, my mom goes and works real late at night. Okay, you get the reference there? And I'm at home taking care of my, taking care of my brothers and sisters. And I said, what do you need me to do to help you? And he said, will you teach me how to be a man so I can raise these, help raise these kids right? And this is an 11-year-old boy. And you want to sit here, not you, but people want to sit there and post about how bad places are. Well, then get out there and do something. If you have the answer, like we believers have the answer, then get out there and do something about it. We're posting it on social media. That's, that's cowardice. To hide behind a computer screen and post these things. 
And I'm not just talking about that one, one specific one. I'm, there's plenty of them in our area. Do something. They're seeking answers. People we live, work, and play with are seeking spiritual answers. Answers that you and me have. I challenge you guys, if you want to know some of these stories, come and volunteer at the school. Sit and talk to some of these kids and what, what, what their life's going through. Yes, it gets frustrating sometimes. Ask Dad, he got bit on the stomach this week. <laughs> I said, did it hurt? You got a scab? He goes, yeah. But if you would just look in their eyes, you, you'll, you would fall in love with these kids. And you meet their parents, and you can see their parents are struggling, and you're like, oh, I kind of want to be like when the apostles walked through the gate, and there's a layman there, and they said, money I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. That's, that's the conversation I want to have with these, these people, because they're hurting and in pain, and they're going to all these other things for answers instead of going to the answer. Boys, I'm going to move on. Verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, who said to what to Philip? The Holy Spirit. So now you have an angel speaking, supernatural. The Holy Spirit speaking, supernatural. I actually kind of want to go home and watch that show. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside beside the carriage. And Philip ran. What did he do? He ran. He, he ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And so it's like this idea, like they were, they were living with so much expectation of the supernatural happening, of the Holy Spirit happening, that when the Holy Spirit speaks, they automatically want to obey in that minute. How many of us really do that? But he's reading the prophet, prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? And here's what you need. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Spiritual conversations always begin with an innocent awe question. With an innocent awe question. You, you, you want to have an effective conversation, ask a question, and then listen. Ask a question, and then listen. For too long, the church has said, for you to disciple somebody, for you to have an answer, for, like, for you, for you to, to lead someone to Christ, you have to know this, 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 and this. So they lay out these training courses on the Romans Road, which is a great thing. If you want to read it, read it. Okay? They lay out these structures, and they lay all this stuff. You can't reach somebody until you know this. Well, all I need to know is Jesus. Like, just a few weeks ago, I hope it's okay I share this. It, I'm standing on a porch of someone else's house on the phone with Justin. Justin gets invited over to, uh, is it okay if I share this? Justin gets invited over to this house of some people he works for who are Mormons and with the sole purpose of them and the group of other people to do their thing watch this presentation on Joseph Smith and tried to convert Justin. And, and all they would talk about, Justin said, is 
Joseph Smith this, Joseph Smith that, the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith this, and this. And then finally, Justin at the end just said, well, what about Jesus? Like, you, like it's, it's all about Jesus. Like, we can go through all this. Like, listen, for, for the last 200 years, churches have laid out programs, programs, and programs, and, and they've threw in Sunday school. They did all this stuff to try to reach people. Well, how's it working? It's not about the programs. It's not about this. It's about sharing our stories of who Jesus is. And to get that started, it starts with an innocent awe question of, it could even be of, hey, how, how's, your, how's your son Johnny doing today? Do you understand what's going on in his life? Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand when you read that newspaper what's really going on? It starts with an innocent awe question. Let me tell you how important questions really are. Jesus asked, in the New Testament, if you look, Jesus asked 307 questions between the four Gospels. 307 questions. You want to know how many questions he, he was asked? 183. You want to know how many he answered directly? Three. He answered out of 183 questions asked to him, he only answered three of them directly. Most of the time, when he, when, he would, when he was asked a question, you know what he did? He asked another question back to him or told a parable, which then was really a question about you looking at your life. That's how important questions are. But not just asking questions, listening for answers. Because oftentimes when we ask questions and someone, someone is telling us the answer, we're listening for, for our chance to respond. But what if we just listened? What if we asked the question and then listened? Much like Philip, we'll see Philip did. He listened to what this eunuch said. But I'm going to pause and do a little commercial here. If you want to know more about that, this is a great book. It's called Jesus is the Question. It's 307 questions Jesus, Jesus asked and the three he answered. And it's by a guy named Martin B. Copenhaver. Big last name, Copenhaver. It's a great book to read about how Jesus interacted with the world around him. Most of the time, he just answered questions with questions. And here's why. Here's why that's important. Questions are key to starting spiritual conversations. And we do this every day, really, if you think about it. When you run into somebody for the first time in the day, what, is, what, what do you normally do? How are you doing today? Like, it's ingrained in us as children, right? Like, I don't know how many, most of y'all have had kids in here or will have kids, so if you will have kids, you'll know this one day. Um, here's, the deal. here's the deal. What is the number one question that most kids ask? Why? Like it's ingrained in us because it's, it's a way, God wired us this way. To ask why. Like I'm a why guy. Like why did church have to be this way? What if we did it different? Why, why, do we ha- why do we have to follow these practices in the church? Is it really that important? Or is that just legalistic booyah? And... Like it's ingrained in us. Questions are ingrained in us. We've got to start asking questions because when we start asking questions it really shows the outside world that people outside these walls 
that we care about them. Let's keep reading verse 31. And the man replied, remember he asked, remember Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And this is what the man said. The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? How is this world going to know about Jesus unless we tell them about, tell them about him? Until we sit there and listen and answer their, and, get, and give a defense for our hope. The man replied, how can I unless someone, and someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Verse 32, the passage of scripture he had been reading, which is a great, a great passage, was like this. He was led like a sheep to, to the slaughter and as a lamb to be silent. Who's this, who's this about? It's about Jesus. And as a lamb, as a lamb he is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who, who can speak of his descendants? Verse 33, for, for his life was taken from this earth. And listen to this question that the, that the eunuch asked. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was this prophet talking about himself or someone else? So here's this great opportunity for Philip. He asked, he followed the leading of the supernatural call to go to Gaza, to the desert, the desert road between Gaza and Jerusalem. He followed the supernatural call. He was obedient to the call of the Holy Spirit to go alongside the carriage. And when he got there, he realized why he was there because it says that he heard the eunuch reading from Isaiah, pondering what this, this passage means. So we know that God has gone before him, much like God has gone before us. And he began to ask an innocent awe question. And he went, got invited in, because when we show that we care, we get invited into someone's life. And he began to have this conversation to the point to where this eunuch, and if you know anything about why eunuchs are eunuchs, it's amazing that he even is asking this question. Is this about himself or is this about someone else? Because here's what you need to know. Eventually, the spiritual conversations will shift to them asking you for the hope you have. Take a note, you can write that. I know that's long, and I'll leave it up there for a minute. Eventually, spiritual conversations, if we do them right, and do them fair, and do them listen from the heart and speak from the heart, spiritual conversations will shift to them asking for the hope you have. Who is this who gave up his life? Who is this that, that he would lay down his life for us? Like, who is this talking about? In Acts eight thirty five, it says, So beginning with the same scripture... Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Philip took the meat of Scripture, because that's a big passage found in Isaiah. And he, begin, he, he, he begins with the same script, this meat of Scripture, and he turns it into milk, easy for this eunuch to digest. It's this milk, milk versus meat principle, to where it's kind of like this. Like when a mother eats food and digests the food, it turns into milk for her baby because this baby can't eat a T-bone steak, y'all. Wish she could. 
You're jealous. That's what I told, used to tell Zane and Lyric when they were little. You're jealous, you can't eat this. But the mom, mom would digest that T-bone steak and then, and then, uh, then f- f- the di- in digested form feed it to the child. That's what we are called to do as believers, to take meat of Scripture and dumb it, no, I don't know if it's dumb it down, I don't know if that's the right word, because it's thinking, and, 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 and work its way down to where, where, where people out, outside of these walls can hear it and understand it. Make it relatable. Thanks, that's better than using the word dumb it down. <laughs> Didn't mean anything about it, those who are listening online, because really I need some of this stuff dumbed down for me. You know, it's kind of like, you know, like, you know in, passage, in like passages of Scripture where it says, where it just says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What does that look like in digested form? Well, I know that no matter what I face in life, the best is yet to come. See, like, that's what Philip was doing here with this eunuch. Taking this passage and speaking it in a way that people can understand. In verse 36, it goes on to say, and here's how I know this was, Philip was, it was effective for Philip. Okay? As they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So at some point between the supernatural call from an angel through him turning the, the meat of Scripture into milk, this eunuch became a believer in Christ. Because Philip and all the rest of the apostles were expecting, expecting, was it lived expecting the supernatural to happen. And when the supernatural happened, they obeyed. And they stepped out. And they shared their story. And now this person's like, I want to take my next step in baptism. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, it says. And they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Can you imagine being there in that moment? I don't know how long that trip was. I don't know how long the desert road is. But in this one setting, someone's life was forever changed. Because they were bold and took a risk. You imagine running up on, on a chariot. Get me out of breath. I'd have a heart attack. That's a risk. He shared the origin story. And what's the origin story? It's the story of Jesus. He found common ground with him. He, he did everything that we've talked about. He, and now he's baptizing this eunuch. In verse 39, it goes on to say, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Well, that's pretty supernatural, isn't it? When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Why? Because now he had found the answer to all of his questions. He found the hope that he had been looking for. He found what he was really looking for when he, because you remember it says he went to Jerusalem to worship, but he didn't really know what he was going there to worship. But now he has hope. He left rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of Azotus. 
I really don't know how to say that. It's A-Z-O-T-U-S. So if some biblical scholar out there wants to tell me, do it. It goes on to say, he preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to to Syria. Here's the thing. Philip had an impact in this eunuch's life because he lived expecting the supernatural. And when the supernatural happened, he followed and obeyed. From a vision of an angel telling him to go to the Holy Spirit telling him to go, he trusted and had, and had expectation that God was going to do something supernatural. God was going to do something only he could get the credit for. And by he, I mean God. So he is obedient by going, asking the right questions, turning meat of Scripture into milk, and leading someone to the kingdom of God. And you can do the same thing because the same Spirit lives in you. One of my favorite passages in Scripture says, the same power that conquered the grave lives in you and me. But we have to live expecting God to move. We have to live expecting that the Holy Spirit is speaking. And as that song we sang before this, we have to be listening. So my hope in all this series is one, that you step out and share what Christ has done in you from when he saved you to what he did for you yesterday. Share your story. That's how we're going to reach our community. That's how we're going to clean South Knoxville up. By stepping out, taking some actions, being bold, taking some risks, and sharing our story with people. And here's, here's why. Because someone did it for you. Someone did it for you. It could have been as simple as inviting you to church to hear somebody. Somebody else speak. It was might, might have just been, hey, might have been, hey, just listen to what God's done for me. I don't know, but someone's done it for you. Someone has stepped out, took a risk, and invested in your life. And now you've, you're a believer, and you're called to do just the same thing. Some of y'all have been put in some extraordinary circumstances where you have some influence along with people. Take your influence. Use it. Every day I try to share the love of Christ with the people I work with at school, whether that be kids or teachers. Take every opportunity to defend the hope you have. Now that means defend is share the story you have. Take every opportunity. Take advantage of what you've, the places you've been given to work, the places you've been given to have authority over. Take advantage of those things. Leverage those things for the, for the good of the gospel. But it has to start with you sharing what Jesus done. And don't turn down for anything the enemy throws at you. Because he's going to throw some shade, y'all. He's going to remind you of your past. He's going to remind you of what that person thought about you before. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna remind you of, of that time when you, and you're going to have to look at him down at the bottom of your feet because that's where he is and say, you better shut up because I'm a child of the king. The king that's already living in victory. Do you forget to read the last, last couple of chapters of the Bible? 
because you're thrown in the fire forever. You're defeated. So don't let him take you with him. Because he's just mad that he doesn't get to do what you get to do. I heard a pastor one time tell me, because one of the best ways to, to praise Jesus is to share your story. That I, I was listening to a pastor one time, and he said, you know, Satan is just mad because he used to be able to do what you did. What you do. Because you know he was the head praiser in heaven, right? Angels would come to him and say, hey, I want you to sing this to God. And he would go sing it, and it says that he got jealous. And wanted the praise for, him, for himself. And when he was cast out of heaven, where did he say he landed? In the dust of the earth. And it's just an analogy, but I thought it was pretty cool. That when a car crash happens, what happens? Pieces fly everywhere. Things fall off of cars onto the ground. And what was on Satan that gave God praise is now in the dust of the earth. And what are you formed of? Formed of? The dust of the earth. So you're doing, when you're praising Jesus, you're doing the thing that that he once was able to do and he can't do no more. He's mad, y'all. So I ain't turning down this volume for nothing. I'm cranking it up to 11 and a half, shouting it from the rooftop. If Josh was a good rapper, I'd have him sing that Toby Mac song, you know, the one that says, shout it from the rooftops, give it all I got. Shut sorry. Maybe we'll put it on the playlist for next week. I don't know. But you've got to step out and take risks. Punch that devil right in his front teeth and share your story. So God, we want to thank you so much for giving us a story. You've given us a story of hope, a story of, of love, a story of whatever we need. I love the fact that when... in when, 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 when they were talking to you at the burning bush and they asked what your name was, you said, I am. I am whatever you need me to be. And God, I just pray that we take bold. We, we live expecting you to move, expecting something supernatural to happen. Something that only you can do, only you can get the credit for. May we not ever turn down for any reason, but may we step up and step out and be obedient to you. And I pray all this in your name. Amen.